This is Energy Voice Out Loud, leading the global energy conversation. I'm Alistair Thomas and welcome to our podcast brought to you in association with Renewable UK. This week, I'm joined by digital journalist Hamish Penman and after a short hiatus from the pod, Ed Reid, our Africa editor, is back, back, back. Hello, Ed. Have you been on a secret mission for Energy Voice? What can you tell us? Can you tell us? Uh, it wasn't so secret. Yes, I went to I went to Abu Dhabi, uh, which was uh, which was fun. It was uh, slightly warmer than uh, than than around these parts. Uh, but curiously, the, the, the day we landed, it was the one day a year that it rained in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> so in many ways, it felt like uh, not too distant. See, I was going to ask you about the weather because um, I assumed that you'd kind of get more tourists with it. I'm assuming being cooler than obviously the height of the summer, but if it's raining, then you you know you could have come up here to Scotland. I mean, you'd have had just as good a time, I'm sure. I know opportunity missed. Were you in conference rooms? Did you get out and about? Or? It was there was there was a lot of a uh, lot of uh, conference rooms, uh, walking around in circles, handing out business cards, that sort of thing. Uh, I did I did manage to get to see the Grand Mosque, which was amazing. I'd recommend it oh, if wow. you if you're passing through Abu Dhabi, you should definitely check it out. It's uh, it's fantastic. Fabulous, fabulous. Well, that sounds great. Uh, okay, well, since he has been away. And I know the listeners are aching for his rich, sultry tones. Let's have uh, Ed first. Um, Ed, Patrick Puyan on a bit of a, a victory lap around Africa in the last week or so. He must be tired. I would have, I would have thought so, Alistair. I would have thought so. Uh, so, so yeah. I mean, I think you know, as you say, the the the, the big news uh, came on. Uh, Tuesday, uh, when he was in uh, Kampala to finally launch the Lake Albert uh, development, that's uh, that's 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 two oil fields and a pipeline. It's about uh, two hundred forty thousand barrels per day of, of of crude production that should be coming online in twenty twenty five. So it's 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 big guns. I think it's a, I think this is about sort of ten billion dollars. Um, so it's a, it's a really sort of significant investment. And I think I mean it's 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 a, it's, it's a really fascinating story. It's 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 taken them an incredibly long time to get here. I mean Uganda had their their sort of a commercial discovery in two thousand and six. Total kind of came in. So 2010, 2011, by which point, you know, obviously they had hoped to sort of start producing, but it's uh, it was just a case of that, that kind of can being kind of kicked further and further down the road. Finally, uh, with a lot of toings and froings, um, Tullow Oil was involved. They, you know, f- fell out uh, along the way as they, they they ran into some financial difficulties and, and sold down. So finally, we've got Total Energies, we've got Sinuk. Going ahead with this, with this, with this big plan. Obviously, very exciting uh, for those guys. Not everyone's so happy. There are still some, some some NGOs locally who are expressing concerns about about some of the plans, particularly around that that pipeline. So it's a it's a sort of a fourteen hundred kilometer pipeline from uh, from Hoima in the in the west of Uganda to a to a, to a Tanzanian port. It's going to be the longest heated pipeline in the world. Um, so it's obviously there's going to be a certain amount of energy that's going to be need to go into heating the oil to allow that to continue flowing. Um, so there are there are kind of concern there are environmental concerns around that. There are also concerns around clearance, around compensation, um, and in and and the impact on on, on wildlife. So. I've got a, a handful of uh, press releases from, from from various NGOs saying, you know, that they've still not completed financing on on, on that pipeline. So obviously, this is going to be still a, a kind of a, a, a kind of a live issue. But it does feel like 
finally we may be seeing some uh, seeing some progress there. I think and, and earlier in the week, uh, Patrick Piane uh, was in Rwanda uh, talking to the locals and, and talking about sort of uh, renewable energy and, and, and some options there. And then he went on from uh, Rwanda to Maputo where he spoke to the Mozambicans about the big uh, Mozambique LNG project, um, which is uh, which is currently under force measure and possibly, depending on how well the Rwandan counterinsurgency goes in the north of Mozambique, maybe restarting this year. So... There's a, there's a there's a few balls in in the air, but it, it feels like a, like a, like some interesting developments for, uh, for 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 French interests in in East Africa. Wow, wow, uh, yeah. I mean, so you you can go one day um, and sign an energy transition MOU in in Rwanda, and the very next sign off on a what six point five billion barrel development in in Uganda. It's an interesting uh, juxtaposition. I'm being a bit coy, obviously. Um, I, I do note the talk about this kind of being low emissions. Uh, have they given any? detail about how that will be the case i'm assuming there there is a plan in place and all of this is i guess relative yeah so i mean i think you know they they're, they're going to be doing a lot of work to uh, obviously i suppose i suppose it's about efficiency isn't it i think i think obviously that's kind of the name of the game that that all these kind of companies are talking about and and increasingly with 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 new projects obviously building something from the ground up you have a chance to i suppose you know do the most you can in terms of sort of tackling that kind of carbon issue and I think you know, as you say, you know, Total Energies is obviously, you know, they they are not just uh, oil and gas. Uh, you know, so when he was he was speaking in Kampala, Puyana was 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 talking about the the continuing importance of, of of oil and gas investments in addition to to renewable energy. So I think you know it it it, it is really a sort of a balancing act. Um, and I think you know, obviously, that it's not just about sort of uh, reducing carbon. They're also talking about carbon offsets, and that was another part of the thing that they were talking about in in Rwanda was about nature-based solutions, which I assume means growing trees to uh, offset carbon emissions. Obviously, that's a a fairly uh, contested, should we say, area to to kind of try and reduce uh, carbon emissions. Obviously, you know, if you cut the tree down, if if the forest is on fire, then presumably the carbon emissions are once again released. So there are going to be sort of uh, some, some, some challenges along the way. But Obviously, uh, Total hoping to sort of you know sort of square that particular circle of on the one hand doing renewable energy, on the other hand oil, and you know obviously with those oil projects at, at such uh, such scale, you know you can you can also get those cost savings in. So I mean I think it's it's an ambitious project clearly, and you know they're 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 really going to try hard to get to that twenty twenty five target to start up, but. We shall see, shall we not? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and, and and you teed me up very nicely for a question, which I didn't ask. Um, but you 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 mentioned the kind of the French and, and total interests uh, in in Rwanda. And, and there, this this MOU in Rwanda, there, there's a there's an element here of how that may play into what's been going on in in Mozambique. Is is that? Is that clear at the moment? Uh, it is. It is not clear, Alistair. Mm. It is not at all clear. <laughs> um, so, so just just to just to cast your minds back to to to, to early last year, there was a terrorist attack in in northern Mozambique um, on the on on a, on, a, on a main town that was extremely close to uh, the Mozambique LNG project, and as a result, uh, Total Energies and its partners decided that, that it was no longer safe to go ahead with construction on that that major Mozambique LNG project. Um, which is uh, it's a, something like sort of uh, twelve million tons per year sort of LNG. So it's a it's a really you know substantial project. 
but so they've said that they're not going to go ahead until there's until there's security is is, is better on the grounds and so once they put everything on on, on hold uh mozambique uh brought in some rwandan troops and they've also brought in some uh, some southern african development community troops with the aim of of, of tackling this uh this uh islamist insurgency in the north we're not entirely sure how uh who is paying the bills for the rwandans there's a lot of little discussion around is 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 rwanda there is it doing it out of the interest of its you know sort of regional uh, security regional collaboration is there some sort of quid pro quo there's been allegations that you know are the french involved uh is is total energies paying rwanda none of this is proved and 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 obviously you know all everyone's uh, you know, taking a lot of care to to kind of you know uh, reject those sorts of suspicions. Rwanda has said that's not the case, and that they're just you know stuck you know covering the bills. But obviously, it's 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 an extremely uh, interesting kind of um, set of circumstances to, that uh, Puyano would be in Rwanda and then goes immediately to Mozambique. The EU is obviously keen to uh, improve security in, in northern Mozambique. Uh, Rwanda's got obviously extremely strong counterinsurgency expertise, so the EU has said that it's interested in supporting Rwanda, you know, bringing peace to to, to northern Mozambique, and and Rwanda certainly seems to be extremely keen to provide security around those gas sites. Obviously, that is going to be transformative in terms of uh, Mozambique's economy. Once once those once those revenues start to flow into a, in Mozambique's economy, obviously that will be extremely beneficial for the local interest. So it's, I mean, I, I, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of suspicion, a lot of allegations, nothing is proved, but it's, it's certainly one to watch. It's interesting. You've got a, quite a, a melting pot of different, uh, different things going on there. But uh, yeah, we will, we will leave that uh, there for now. Um, and as we record today, a number of kind of big boardroom changes for the top North Sea oil and gas players. We'll be back with that after this. Energy Voice investigates and reports on what matters in global energy, helping sector leaders understand the geopolitical and economic factors underpinning current events and giving them a view on what's coming over the horizon. Each year, 3.4 million professionals use Energy Voice as a trusted source of breaking news and insight. Subscribers to Energy Voice receive unlimited access to the Energy Voice website, including premium content, free and discounted special reports and additional content, free access to the Energy Voice live app featuring a personalized feed and priority access to Energy Voice events. For a 30-day free trial subscription to the Energy Voice website and app, visit energyvoice.com subscriptions. Join the global energy conversation with Energy Voice. Okay, Hamish, uh, Harbour Energy and Spirit Energy announcing some big changes. Uh, take us through what we know about it. Yeah, so uh, Spirit first, does it make sense as it's the, the most recent, about an hour before or an hour or two before we, we came to record today, so it's uh, nice and fresh, so <laughs> watch me still manage to, to make a pig's ear out of explaining it, but anyway. Um, but no, Neil McCulloch is taking up uh, the top dog position at Spirit Energy. Um, for the meanwhile, anyway, it's on an, an interim basis. Uh, prior to this, he was their uh, executive vice president, technical and operated assets. Uh, so that means that Chris Cox is on his way out. He'll step down on uh, February 28th. That's after six years with uh, with both Spirit Energy and Centrica, um, obviously Spirit's uh, parent company. Um, there's also been a change of chairman. 
uh, Spirit Energy. Uh, Chris O'Shea, Chief Executive of Centrica, he'll take up that position um, and he will replace uh, Mark Hannafin as Chairman of the Board. Uh, and though those both uh, both Neil and um, Chris will take up those positions with immediate effect. Um, so a bit more of a kind of profile on Neil McCulloch. He's held leadership roles across operated and non-operated assets in Europe and further afield, Spirit Energy said. Uh, a chartered engineer by trade, he kind of started out as a trainee on um, on the Morecambe Bay field. So well established, uh, well established there. Hmm. Um, he was previously senior vice president of uh, EMP at OMV, and he spent eleven years at leadership roles at BG Group. He also worked for Enquest as well um, as a chief operating officer and executive director. Um, and some kind of external appointments. He's a non-executive director of the Net Zero Technology Centre and a member of well, Oil and Gas UK's board. But we'll uh, delve into. The, the finite points of Oil and Gas UK, or not Oil and Gas UK a bit later on, I think. <laughs> um, so, Mr. O'Shea, as kind of part of his statement coming in, he paid tribute to, to Chris Cox, who's stepping out as chairman, said he'd been instrumental in, in shaping the company and has embedded a culture that will be the foundation of Spirit Energy's future success. So, so lovely, lovely words. Mm. Very very warm. That would be a nice one to go out on, I think. Mm. Um, but these, these kind of appointments, this change at the top for Spirit, it comes up quite an interesting time with Centrica last year last July I think it was they kind of reiterated that they are looking to to divest Spirit Energy um, after the process that was initially mooted in about 2019 but it was put on hold due to Covid as most things were um, but they now said well said back in July that they were looking at doing that again they were looking to simplify the, simplify the process because um, the kind of joint venture kind of structure of the business was making it perhaps a bit more difficult to sell mm. um, and then they reiterated it again fairly recently when Spirit Energy Norway was was sold to uh, Sval Energy for, for 800 million pounds and they kind of expect to retain it but operate it in a runoff mode they, they called it so mm. kind of reading between the lines there it seems as if they'll kind of keep hold of it run it as is but perhaps are still open to opportunities and bids as and when they come. Yeah. So that kind of appointment of the Centrica chief executive to the board of Spirit Energy, that's quite an interesting one. It kind of shows a perhaps a deeper amalgamation between the two and and some longer term planning perhaps. Um, but yeah, that's just one of the the shuffles at the top we've had, and Harbour Energy had the other one, which uh, which you covered, Alistair. Yeah, it's 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 quite interesting that uh, Chris Cox's exit, um, you know, both him and uh, Phil Kirk of Harbour Energy have announced exits on the same day, uh, both leaving uh, on February twenty eighth. This thing stands, both on long standing, you know, roles. Uh, quite the coincidence, but where they'll go next, we we don't we don't know. Um, yeah, Phil Phil Kirk will. I'll I'll talk about him in a, in, in a second. I think I think that it, it is interesting about Centrica having a closer eye on um, spirit, as you say, Hamish. This runoff mode it did kind of come across. You know, this is a company with hundreds of employees in Aberdeen, hundreds of people across the UK. Quite a long time of uncertainty, as you say. Kind of twenty nineteen, they've been looking to sell this, and you know we're we're still kind of in that position. It did seem that the runoff mode would suggest steady as she goes. We're not looking to bring on new production necessarily, but you know, we're looking to 
make sure we've got what we need covered in terms of decom costs. And if a deal comes up, then terrific. How that's going to factor in with um, Neil McCulloch and, and, and Centrica, uh, Chris O'Shea coming into the board um, more closely um, yeah, we'll have we'll have to wait and see. Um, it'll be an interesting one to, to watch. But yes, no, Phil Kirk, um, Phil Kirk Harbor, uh, Harbor Energy, uh, as most people will will know, uh, it's the largest oil and gas producer in the North Sea uh, at the moment. The you know beating Total Energies, beating Shell, beating BP uh, as well. So they're, they're a major major player. Um, and Phil Kirk, as I say, he's he's announced he's intending to to step down. We got the news this morning, which was. Uh, Interesting for me, who has a supplement about to go to print, which uh, has an interview with him. <laughs> um, so that was that was fun. Uh, that's that, that's a, that's a kind of a, a glimpse at how things work at Energy Voice. Typically, if you put anything of any note in the the supplement, such as analysis, or oh, I don't know of the Cambo developments, you, you can almost guarantee that there'll be a, a major shift in the news cycle uh, before it goes to print. Um, which 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 leaves a long night ahead. But no, he he yeah. So he he kind of helped build up Harbor, and he founded Chrysor, which is the previous uh, the predecessor of Harbor Energy. Uh, they had kind of several major deals with 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 Shell, for example, a two billion pound deal with ConocoPhillips, and then of course the reverse takeover of Premier Oil. Um, so and that of course led to the the listing and creation of what is now called Harbor Energy. Um, so yeah, he's off on February 28th uh, pursuing other business opportunities. Um, I have seen an analyst uh, or two in the emails today saying, oh, well, does this raise questions about whether or not he was, uh, you know, I, I, you know, was, was this planned for him to leave? You know, it seems a short notice period, but um, Harbour are briefing that uh, this was, this was Phil Kirk's decision. Um, you know, they, they had not planned this um, and they're not intending to replace him in his role as Europe chief executive. Uh, Harbour is overseen by Linda Cook, I think. I think formerly of Shell, uh, who is now the overall CEO. So Phil Kirk, unlike in in Chrysler, where he was in the the top top billing, uh, he's now he's now reporting to to Linda Cook, and you know he's certainly never expressed any displeasure there. Um, I don't know whether that has any any thinking whatsoever in terms of 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 his decision to leave. It may well be that he's got another offer elsewhere, but. Uh, as far as we know, it was his decision, um, and it'll be very interesting to see where he's gone because he has got, as I say, he's going to got this this track record now of building up a very successful uh, company that was you know gone through various deals uh, uh, to become the largest producer in in the UK North Sea. Where is he going to take that expertise next? Is it going to be in the UK? Uh, we don't know, but it's it's unusual to see this kind of two big changes uh, at the top of two big companies in the North Sea uh, in in very quick, quick succession. I don't recall seeing anything like that um, recently. <laughs> but but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting one one to watch anyway. Do you think they might be uh, might be heading off to to, to do something uh, together? I mean mm. obviously it seems like if they're moving off at the same time like maybe some new venture, maybe uh, you know, like a like some sort of comedy uh, buddy movie. I don't know, something along those lines. Traveling across Europe. Uh, are we talking like double uh, double act Ant and Deck, or is this like a <laughs> like Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon? <laughs> oh in the my trip. gosh, <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. I'd yeah. watch that. Where would they go? Would it just be over the oil and gas territories yeah. around the world, or would it be? We like... need to pitch this before anybody steals it. <laughs> somebody definitely will. We've got like the Amazon the Rig show coming out at some point. 
Um, and then we're going to have Phil Kirk and Chris Cox doing their, their double act uh, road trip. Yeah, no, I'm I'm ready for this. Yeah, this will be good. <laughs> Okay, uh, well, I think I think we will leave that there on that happy note. Thank you, thank you, Hamish. Uh, and next up, we'll discuss the new name and new remits for Oil & Gas UK. In this uniquely challenging environment, the global energy sector is looking to its leaders to drive the conversation forward. Companies at the forefront of our industry need to communicate how their expertise can help clients and the wider community now and when the market rebounds. Energy Voice is the trusted voice leading the global energy conversation on coronavirus, the oil price crash and the energy transition. Over the past month, energyvoice.com has been read over a million times. We reach 1.4 million people on social and more than 12,500 people subscribe to Energy Voice. Because what we say matters. And because energy is our language, we can offer you a unique integrated marketing service to ensure your expertise gets maximum exposure. A comprehensive suite of content services brings your message to life, expert consultation hones that message to perfection, and we have opportunities to share it across editorial, special reports, video, podcasts, webinars, and display advertising. To find out more about speaking to over 1 million qualified users in global energy through our peerless digital news and insight platform, visit energyvoice.com slash content hyphen services. We want to help get your message to the right people. And in these challenging times, we're pleased to offer a 25% introductory discount on new campaigns. For this and more, energyvoice.com slash content hyphen services. Okay, uh, so the leading uh, trade body for for North Sea Oil and Gas, uh, Oil and Gas UK, is rebranding. The new name is going to be Offshore Energies UK, and that's to reflect a kind of wider remit, which focuses not just on oil and gas, but hydrogen, offshore wind, carbon capture and storage, new energies. Um, And that is uh, a significant step. Um, So we we published a piece on, on Sunday, uh, kind of trying to reflect that uh, reality, being trying to be fair to all sides, of course. They are dropping oil and gas from the name, not the organisation. That is an important distinction to, to make, and we have made in the headline. I'm not here to defend Energy Voice's editorial choices, but, you know, sometimes you just have to. Um, and, you know, even that step, you know, in the context of what's going on right now, that's, you know, that is the news angle. Uh, they are dropping oil and gas from the name, and although there are efforts well underway in the energy transition, you know, and we reflect that, to be clear. It is true that the vast majority of efforts and investment right now are in oil and gas for the membership of that organisation. And the other sectors are, in in their words, uh, nascent. Um, Scott Wind had big investment from big oil, but the investment levels right now, comparatively speaking, are are small compared to to be what's being spent on on development of fossil fuels. So it's important we reflect that and be clear in the newsline. I think, um, particularly as other trade bodies who say they are advocating for the energy transition have decided to maintain uh, having oil and gas within their branding. So uh, reaction. Well, the majority of people we've spoken to. Um, you know, they've, they've generally said, well, it, it's past time, it's the right move, it is a reflection 
of the changing times, um, and I, I would I would wholly um, agree with that. I, I think it's it, it's something that we've been asking about for a good couple of years now, um, and I, I do get the sense it's been something that they've been um, certainly looking at for some time. You know, I think the more concrete discussion about whether or not they would have a, a full rebrand is, is slightly more recent, but certainly you can see what's been going on with the likes of Statoil changing to Equinor, Total to Total Energies. Um, this and, and then obviously there's you know companies like BP and Shell who don't have rebrands as such, but clearly there's a, a very firm focus on uh, being seen as greening companies. So yeah, I think the writing was on the wall um, for that, and I would agree with that reaction. NGOs, uh, as you'd expect, have uh, equated it to to greenwashing, and again, you know, OG UK, offshore unit, offshore offshore energies UK, have said, well, our members are driving the energy transition, and therefore, no, not greenwashing. You know, uh, some of the key members, and they certainly are, um, you know, backing things such as the carbon capture and storage clusters in the UK. They are backing offshore wind, and they are backing hydrogen. So. Uh, I'm not sure the greenwashing um, accusation is, is necessarily uh, a fair one, um, but it's important to reflect all sides, of course. So the change means they're going to be expanding their events, uh, their market studies, uh, taking things such as their offshore safety expertise and perhaps applying that to these new sectors. Uh, and obviously, uh, policy development, uh, I think, will be key. They are a lobby group at the end of the day. Now, that normally has negative connotations, but, you know, they are there to, to work with governments on, on getting the, the regulatory regimes sorted for these new areas. So that will that will clearly be important as they try to get uh, the regulatory requirements up and running so that that can, therefore, um, be followed with investment. Uh, there is more to get into, but I am keen to hear what you guys uh, make of it. Hamish, Ed, um, OG UK to Offshore Energies UK, what do you think? I mean, yeah, it makes sense. It, like you were saying, it seems one of these things that has been in the pipeline for for a long while. It was just eventually kind of when it happened because, I mean, what with the um, oil and gas technology centre rebranding to OGTC, then to NZTC. So there's a, kind of a real precedent for them to 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 do so. Perhaps they're the kind of the last, the, really the one we were kind of all waiting for. I think to to really to kind of adopt this new uh this new identity so mm. it'll be interesting to see whether kind of if it changes the day-to-day -day goings on of, of the organization if it buys them any favor with the, with the ngos who are constantly kind of throwing greenwashing at them probably not but mm. but but it's um an interesting change of direction anyway and um Maybe hopefully it trickles down into its members as well. I mean, I think the thing that struck me, uh, Alistair, I mean, as you sort of alluded to at the beginning of the segment, was was about the, uh, the, the sort of the response uh, from 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 people on, uh, on 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 particularly on LinkedIn, right? Mm. I mean, I think the the number of people sort of really taking umbrage at both at the name change and 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 how it was covered in Energy Voice. I mean, I think you know, I, to, to 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 me, it, it doesn't feel like much of an event. Right, I think you know it's you know sort of times change, names change. It's let's not get too stuck on it. But like, I mean, the the number of people who seem to see this as some sort of you know terrible slights to the industry, and then you know other people who thought that our coverage of saying you know they're dropping oil and gas UK from the name was some terrible thing about how uh, you know we've 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 misconstrued the, the 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 OG UK story, and it just seemed extraordinary in a way that there would be such a sort of a, a, a wellspring of 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 uh, sentiment 
about about what seems to me like a, like a fairly sort of a minor issue. Yeah, I think I think the majority of people probably would have uh, that that reaction in terms of considering it a relatively uh, small uh, event. I suppose within the context of the North Sea industry, um, there's a message that's being tried to get across about the energy transition, um, about the push for these new sectors, and people feel passionately about that, and so they should. Um, but it's important that we are, you know, we're, we're not going to um, diverge from the, the news angle, um, which is, uh, in my firmly held belief, that, you know, the oil and gas, the leading oil and gas organization is no longer uh, keeping oil and gas within its name. Uh, and we have fairly reflected that it's part of the name, not the organization that's dropping it. Um, we have tried to uh, set across that, you know, they're expanding their remit, but, you know, we're not in the business of doing PR, right? as you know. We're in the business of uh, make, making sure we get the news angle. So, you know, I, I don't think that would change the way that we we approach that particular story. And people are talking about it, then so be it. Um, on Hamish's point about the last kind of one to follow, um, yeah, there, there's been plenty to to fall to to kind of lead up to this. I don't think it will be the last one. Uh, I think the last one I'm looking for is the OGA, uh, the Oil and Gas Authority. Um, you know, will they maintain their, uh, you know, name as the regulator? Um, you know, we've got a lot of regulatory issues cropping up at the moment. OGA are kind of already moving into carbon capture and storage. They're certainly uh, well within uh, electrification and there's going to be factors linked to offshore wind, floating wind. You know, if they try to electrify these platforms, we're expecting floating wind to play a significant role in doing that. Who's going to oversee that? Is it going to be the Crown Estate? Is it going to be Marine Scotland? Is it going to be the Oil and Gas Authority? Um, yeah, I, I would I would keep an eye out for that. Uh, not, And I say that without any knowledge or of, or suggestion of it actually happening. It's just what I, my, my personal opinion um, about what might be in the pipeline. Um, I don't know. But it's always the challenge, isn't it, about, about, about where you go next in terms of that name. I mean, I think so, you know, OG UK, that kind of, that kind of works. Offshore Energy UK, what is that? OE UK, that feels a bit, you know. OE UK. OE UK. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of vowels. Uh, and then, you know, the OGA turns into what? The Energy Authority? EA? I mean, yeah. isn't there like a like a company called EA? I don't know. I mean, I just feel yeah, like... They make, they make the FIFA games. I mean, <laughs> this is exactly like it's a, like a, some sort of branding nightmare. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to describe. <laughs> I, I pity the poor market. <laughs> branding nightmare. That should have been the, the, the title of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's well, it's, it's a question I think everyone in the industry is having to to grapple with at the moment, um, and there's there's no getting away from it, is there? Uh, and we've talked in the past about uh, the importance of being seen to uh, be be moving in the energy transition and, and following that up with action, and this is clearly part of that journey for for oil and gas UK, offshore energies UK. Um, there is one point to make uh, that that um, Jake Malloy of RMT raised. An awful lot of trade bodies in um, different energy sectors at the moment, um, and there does seem to be potential for a little bit of overlap. Um, I'd probably be interested to see how that plays out. And I think uh, OGUK were, were saying, well, we'll work very collaboratively with uh, people in the industry uh, and other kind of trade bodies. But, uh, I, I, you know, you can't help but think there's going to be some overlap here. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that particularly plays out and the other point kind of a, um, was you know sorry go i was ahead. gonna say you're expecting kind of a, a judean people's front and the people's front of judea sort of issue to arrive arise <laughs> not the example i had in mind but sure sure 
<laughs> the other points that, uh, that they, were, they were keen to raise and, and is relevant is that um, the industry right now, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say it does have a little bit of, it does have an image problem as we've discussed, but there there's a recruitment issue lying within that, right? So, you know, having this focus on the energy transition, you know, uh, Deirdre Mickey, not incorrectly said, you know, possibly, you know, the greatest or she said is the greatest kind of problems of our times, this energy transition question and how we resolve the, the issue of, you know, it's a, it's a bigger population. We need more energy, but we need to develop it in a cleaner way. And that's kind of the direction that the trade bodies is trying to go down and the members are trying to go down. Um, and hopefully by putting that message out and, and it might entice more people into the into the the industry, which right now, yeah, it seemed like a dirty industry, uh, I, I think still um, for many people. Um, and yeah, getting that the next generation of young people in involved, you've got that hydrogen piece, the carbon capture piece, the offshore wind um, piece too, and and all the other things related to electrification and that it could help to ultimately uh, resolve this problem and help us uh, with uh, with recruitment. So. So there we are. There we are. Branding, branding nightmare um, tackled. Uh, so I, I think I think for now we'll we'll leave that there. Um, and that is it for this latest episode of Energy Voice Out Loud. I hope you have enjoyed it. Thanks, Ed, and thanks, Hamish, for joining me. I've been Alsa Thomas, and thank you for listening. Out Loud is the podcast from Energy Voice leading the global energy conversation. Bookmark and subscribe to energyvoice.com, sign up to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for expert analysis and insight right across the energy sector. Subscribe to Outloud on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do encourage colleagues and friends to listen to Outloud too. If you've enjoyed it, leaving a rating or review, especially on Apple Podcasts, helps others discover it too. Thank you.